We are 10 days away from the first day of spring. Tomorrow, it will be only nine. (laughs) And soon spring will be here. Every day, people all over the northern climates speak in hopeful tones about warm weather, about gardens, plans for trips, about sitting out on the deck or the patio or the porch. We hope that it will be warmer even tomorrow if possible. We even move our clocks ahead to get the experience of spring to come sooner. Some of us hope that our favorite sports teams will do well. Some of us don't care. Many of us hope that the primary elections of March will herald waves of change in November. We hope that our country will soon recover from a plague of cultural fragmentation symbolized by what appears to be a very cynical regime running our country at the moment. We hope for peace on earth. We hope that two world leaders who do not appear to be particularly qualified or dependable may meet together and make an agreement to end a ton of nuclear trash talk, even though that may seem sort of like sending the Three Stooges to move a piano. (laughs) And hoping that it will turn out well. At least with the Three Stooges, it's entertaining. Nevertheless, we hope that they will be successful because we deeply need an agreement for peace. And the world could be radically changed as a result of their success or failure. I hope they can do it in spite of all the odds. Many of us hope that there is still enough time and enough common will to make the crucial adjustments needed to seal a ceasefire with Mother Nature so that we can continue to live on this lovely and generous planet. The retrograde path that our country is following right now in regard to the planet is seriously shrinking the grounds for such hope. And yet, a person as well qualified as Jane Goodall is touring the world some 300 days a year, speaking a message of hope for the planet. She says, we truly have harmed the world, but I still think there is a window of time for us to try and turn things around. Should we always hope, even if the grounds for hope are shaky, even if our 
hopes being fulfilled is a long shot? Should we perhaps save ourselves from the pain of disappointment by not being hopeful, by just staying neutral or uncommitted? When Obama began his first term nine years ago, there was a tremendous hope in our country, at least among those who saw him as a symbol of hope. As you may recall, there was an iconic multicolored poster of Obama with the single word of text, hope. That poster became famous. The juxtaposition of the new president's face and this one highly charged word, hope, symbolized the mood of that moment in time. And yet, the wave of hope met a huge wall of resistance that began the very day he was inaugurated as powerful political forces aligned against him. Some of that resistance was just normal everyday politics based on policy differences that we have all the time. But some of the resistance was also racial. I don't view that as a controversial statement, it's just what happened. It was racism. It was the determination of some forces not to give a black person a fair chance. Not even to give him the time of day, actually. And so the hope of the Obama wave was greatly diminished by the disappointing events that followed. I read an article the other day that argued that the greatest weakness of President Obama was that he never fully realized how mean the political world is. He was always hopeful. He was trying to build bridges while others were blowing them up. So hope and disappointment are often companions in our world. Joy and woe are woven fine says the poet William Blake. <clears throat> Another example of that, on November 2nd, 2016, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series in seven games, their first World Series win in 108 years. And many people I know some of them personally, were jubilant. Hope had finally come through for those people. Six days later, on the 8th, there was a presidential election. <clears throat> Talk about a party pooper. <laughs> Boy, did that tone down the celebration, for some, not for all. I'm still irritated about that. <laughs> Joy and woe are woven fine. A little too fine sometimes. So should we hope? And if so, what should we hope for? As some of you know, we're going to do an ordination service in April, April 28th, for our friend and former intern, Aaron Dyka Holly. 
She's Aaron Dykeholly because she got married. <clears throat> and for that service, my friend and uh, ministerial colleague, Kendall Gibbons, has written the words for a new hymn that will be sung right here that day for the first time ever. Uh, the hymn is called "Song, Sing the Song of Your Heart. So let me read you the first verse, which talks about hope. It says, Sing the song of your heart, a song of hope. Your voice is enough to hold the notes of wonder. Sing the song of your heart in doubt or elation, so others may join. Together you fill creation. So, Kendall writes that hope is the song of our heart. There is something about hope that springs spontaneously from who we are. It comes from within us. Our hearts seem to naturally reach out for fulfilling experiences and outcomes. We want better days, and we hope better days are ahead. We want release from pain and illness. We want justice for ourselves and for others. We want a peaceful world. We naturally want these things. And yes, we want all kinds of other things like our team winning. Also, we often want our candidate to win because we think that candidate authentically represents the promise of a better city for us, a healthier country, a more peaceful world. And of course, we may be disappointed in a thousand different ways, and yet our hearts naturally reach out again in hope, in dreams and aspirations. Life just seems to be more satisfying this way, in spite of the losses. Kendall's closing lines of the hymn read this way. Build the world of your dreams in spite of all sorrow, and others will share. Together you shape tomorrow. Build the world of your dreams in spite of all sorrow. Sorrow will be there. There is no doubt about it. There is something about the life of hope that yields a more satisfying, more grounded quality of experience. Perhaps because the hopeful heart truly cares it wants the more just, more loving world that seems to almost be within our grasp, yet often meets with sorrow and disappointment. But the hoping, striving, reaching out life is somehow more deeply satisfying 
in a way that is not dependent upon the goal always being reached. You don't have to have the goal be reached every single time to still validate hope as a way of life. It's just a better way to live. It's better to live in a state of engagement with our ideals and dreams, with the longings of our heart, than living without giving it our best effort. Our universalist tradition has this fascinating theological position that says that no one is or will ever be sentenced to an eternal hell. So you can all relax about that, no matter what you did over the weekend. <laughs> You're not going to hell. I know for many of you use this is actually really not a pressing issue. You're not worried about that. So the conclusion may not seem to matter that much. Although for some of us who grew up with the constant threat of hell, this is actually a powerful theological statement. It really is, and it's meaningful. But either way, the universalist theology that eventually all souls are saved, whatever that might mean, however we might interpret that, is above all a theology of hope. It says that there is always hope. The universe is always a place of novel possibilities, creative alternatives, opportunities for reconciliation, for new life, new dreams, new hope, new options that we cannot even foresee at the moment will be there. Life is never hopeless, even in the face of great sorrow, even in times of disaster, even in the hour of death. Even, how shall I say this? Even someone who appears often to be a kind of immoral, incompetent buffoon, like our president, <laughs> even such a person has a chance to meet with the enemy and make peace. Even such a person, and if you love him, I apologize, but to many of us, a person that seems so ill-equipped for that mission might make peace for the world. That is universalism. It's always possible. And I, for one, hope that he can do it. Because we need that peace agreement. The world is a weird place and strange things can happen. Now I know I may have crossed the line. I may have uttered a UU blasphemy. But let me remind you, there is no hell, so I cannot <laughs> be punished. Not that way, anyway. I'm just saying 
that the world of hope is where we want to be. An old universalist saying is that we should live in a continual expectation of the dawn. A continual expectation of the dawn. We should be hopeful, not foolish, not naive, not uninformed, but hopeful. Tell the kids that you're coaching that they can win this game. It's true. Underdogs win games all the time. Happens every day. Support your candidate, even if the polls say that she's running behind. Do it out of love. Do it with hope. Always believe we are going to make a good budget for this coming year. One, because we always do. Talking about the church budget. And two, because hope and optimism actually help us to achieve the goal. We have a better chance when we are hopeful. We don't have a 100% chance, but we have a better chance. And when illness strikes, we know that those with a positive attitude have a tendency to recover faster. Let us unite and hope that all of us in this room who have a health problem or a loved one with a health problem will find healing in the days ahead. Let us have that hope in our hearts. Should we be fools or ignore reality? Not a good idea. Sometimes we have to face difficult facts and wishing away reality is not recommended. But looking toward a positive outcome is wise, not foolish. When Martin Luther King said that the arc of the moral universe bends slowly, but it bends toward justice, he did not say that we don't have to push on the moral arc. We have to do that. But he offered a vision of hope. When Obama ran on the vision of hope, he was not deluded. He struck a deep chord in the hearts of countless people. When Jane Goodall said just recently, people desperately want hope, she said. When you lose hope, what's left in life? She said there is a window of time for us to try and turn things around. It can never be get back to the way it was, but we have to try. We have to try in a spirit of hope. My friend Kendall wrote in her hymn, Sing the song of your heart in doubt or elation. Either way. So others may join, together you fill creation. So, for many good reasons, let us be of good cheer. Let our hearts be full of hope. 
The game is not over. A wave of rebirth of democracy is rising in our land at this moment. You can feel it in many places. Creativity is still powerful. The universe has possibilities within it that we have not yet even imagined. Let us march on in spite of all sorrow so that together we may shape tomorrow. So may it be.